Amen. The haven of rest. Have you anchored your soul in the haven of rest, Jesus Christ, today, church? What a great reminder of, of when life is tough, when you feel just so weighed down and burdened with the mistakes in your life, the sin in your life, that we can be reminded that we can go to Jesus. He is always there waiting for us. Amen. And if we have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ our Lord, one day when he calls us home, when the roll is called up yonder, we're going to be able to worship for all eternity. Let's continue worshiping together. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Amen. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound in time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair. When the Savior shall gather over on the other shore, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be The chasm that lay between 
How high the mountain I could not climb In desperation I turned to heaven And spoke your name into the night Then through the darkness Your loving kindness Tore through the shadows of my soul The work is finished The end is written Jesus Christ, my living hope Who could imagine So great a mystery What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me. Savior, I'm yours forever, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah, praise the one who sent me free, hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me, you have broken every chain, there's Every chain 
people said today. Amen. Well, the um, Reeves-Colburn connection is intact this morning. We just exchanged one Colburn for another. And um, Colin, thank you for being here with us today. Um, he did not introduce himself. This is Brother Steve's brother. And um, Joanne, you're smiling from ear to ear. You have it great on any given Sunday when these boys get up. I don't know what you fed these guys for breakfast, but man, they can both sing. Goodness gracious, thank you so much for being here. Uh, what a blessing to have you, and uh, what a wonderful song. And all God's people said again, amen. I'm so excited to be here this morning. It's good to see you. Uh, thrilled that you've made the choice to come and be with us. It's an exciting day, right? It's supposed to rain. And so that's a big day in Corsicana, Texas. And so be praying to see that to its end. I think it's supposed to hit um, after we get home this afternoon. I encourage you to come back tonight for church conference. Bring an umbrella and let's just enjoy it. It's going to be a wonderful evening. Now, we have been marching uh, for eight weeks in this ongoing study of the Gospel of Mark. And the sermon series is titled The Remarkable Life of Jesus. And it's really easy to come to a title such as that because the Gospel of Mark is a simple, succinct, unadorned, yet vivid account of the Gospel and the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's only 16 chapters, and Christ's trial and the crucifixion narrative begins in chapter 11, so it moves along in a very fast clip, and we find ourselves this morning in chapter 6. Now, to get us into this discussion today, I want to take you to one of my favorite TV shows. Um, now, you've already seen it on the screen, so they, they gave away my surprise really quick this morning. But many of you know how much I love this show. How many of you like the Andy Griffith show? I mean, if that's good TV... It was good TV then, it's still good TV today, and, and when I talk about the Andy Griffith show, I'm talking about the old black and whites when Ronnie Howard is little Opie, right? That's the way it's supposed to be. And one of my favorite episodes is one titled, and don't think I just chose it because I'm a preacher, but it's titled The Sermon for Today. It's a great episode because everyone has gathered there at the local church in Mayberry. By the way, great trivia question. How many of you know what the name of Mayberry's church was? It's not the First Baptist Church of Mayberry. It's not the First United Methodist Church of Mayberry. Anybody? It's the All Souls Church. And so you'll know that on a trivia question in the future. Everybody's writing it down right now, just in case. Uh, the All Souls Church, and that day at the All Souls Church, they had a guest preacher. Um, he was in from New York City. His name was Dr. Harrison Everett Breen. Now, the actor named David Lewis went on to star in the soap opera General Hospital for 25 years. Another freebie for you this morning. But, but Dr. Harrison Everett Breen gets up that day. And he has a message titled, Watch Your Hurry. Now, the people in Mayberry lived a pretty slow-paced life, right? But Dr. Breen comes in that day, and he wanted to stress that they needed to slow down and enjoy life. And here's an excerpt from his message. He said, Consider how our lives are today. Everything is run, run, run. We bolt our breakfast. We scan the headlines. We race to the office. We drive ourselves from morning to night. We have forgotten the meaning of the word relaxation. What has become of the simple pleasures of the past, he asked. 
Who can forget the old-fashioned band concert on the twilight on the village green? The joy, the serenity of just sitting and listening. We should strive to recapture this simple pleasure. And so I say to you, my dear friends, relax, slow down, and take it easy. Well, at that point, the, the camera in the episode pans over to Barney, and Barney has nodded off asleep, right? Many of you know how that feels, all right? Barney is snoozing, and so so they make their way out of church, and Barney slept through the message, and he says the classic line to the preacher there at the door. He says, you never can preach too many sermons on sin, and it wasn't about sin at all. But So so that day at lunch, they talk over the message, right? You know how you have the pastor for lunch, and you talk through the message and all of that? Well, they do this, and they decide that they're going to put that sermon into practice. So they plan a concert on the Village Green. Of course they have to repair the bandstand, and of course they have to re-sew the band uniforms, and of course they have to rehearse the band, and it's just a frantic mess, right? They spend several frantic hours feverishly getting to the point that they can finally slow down and have the concert. Well, the comical point of the show is that it's good to simplify, but you ruin it if you have to work too hard to simplify. So it's a great episode. Now, those of us who live in Corsicana, right, we have much more hectic lives than the good people of Mayberry. Uh, We rush around place to place, seldom taking a rest, and it leads me this morning to kind of launch with this idea, do you need to simplify your life? Do you need to simplify your life? And that's what this passage we're going to study is about today. It's why it's so important because Jesus, he gives us a short, concise, simple word that we need to hear. So I want you to take your Bibles with you today. Let's go ahead and stand as we honor the reading of God's word. And we're going to be in Mark chapter 6, verse 7. Mark chapter 6, verse 7, we've arrived, as I said earlier, finally in Mark chapter 6 this morning, and we're going to take this passage titled, Jesus Sends Out the Twelve. It says, calling the twelve to him, Jesus sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. These were his instructions, and, and we could add this, these were his simple instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place does not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. And they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil, and they healed them. My prayer today is that we would be able to receive and understand these simple instructions. The title of this message is Shake Off the Dust. Let's be seated. Now, there is great beauty in simplicity. And I think as we read Christ's words today that we can honestly and very easily kind of ascertain that these are simple words. It's a simple message. Jesus gives us, let's kind of wrap it into a a, a very neat little package today. Jesus gives us a simple approach to ministry. 
He gives us a simple attitude toward possessions. And in the heart of this message today, he gives us a simple act to recover from failure. He gives us a simple approach to ministry, a simple attitude toward possessions, and a simple act to recover from failure. And those are the three things I want to talk about this morning. Let's start off by talking about a simple approach to ministry. It says in the text, in essence, that we should go out preaching and healing in the authority of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 12. The simple approach to ministry, the disciples went out and they preached that people should repent. Now, if there's anything that verse tells us is that the gospel message is simple. It's simply a message of repentance. The very same message that John the Baptist came preaching when we started this series is the same message the disciples are still offering. We can sum up the gospel in a simple one-sentence summary. God loves us, but because we're sinners, we can't enjoy a loving relationship with Him unless we're willing to repent. That's the gospel. That's the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The command is still the same. I've never been able to visit the Arlington National Cemetery and the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. Maybe you've been able to go there. But I understand it's quite an experience, and it's an honor for these guardsmen to be chosen as one of the guard. Uh, they change every 30 minutes, they tell us. In winter, they change every single hour. Even at night when the cemetery is closed, those guards change over every two hours. And when the tomb guard is being relieved of duty, he always says to the guard taking his place, post and orders remain as directed. And the new guardsman who's receiving that command says, orders acknowledged. And folks, they do that 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, no matter the weather. And I tell you that story because it reminds me that 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave us marching orders. Fifty generations of Christians have now carried through time, and now they're giving us the mantle, right? They're giving us the baton to continue the race. And it's as if they're saying to us, post and orders remain as directed. Here's the order. It's called the Great Commission. All authority, Jesus said, has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's our marching orders. When people ask me what the purpose of First Baptist Church is, I always say that right there. Jesus gave us a command. We don't need a mission statement. We don't need to contrive anything. Jesus already gave it. And churches sometimes forget that. And we adopt this field of dreams mentality. If we'll just build it, well, people will just come. But Jesus never told us to come and sit. He told us to go and share. He never told us to come and sit. He told us to go and share. When we gather on Sundays, don't say this anymore. We don't come to church. No, we come to be with the church. We are the church. And this is where we receive strength and inspiration and encouragement to go out and do exactly what Jesus told us to do. He reminds us in this simple message, a simple approach to ministry. Go out and preach repentance unto Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. 
So it's very simple today, right? A simple approach to ministry. Uh, let me give you the second thing, and now we kind of shift our topic just a bit. Now he gives us a simple attitude about possessions. In other words, here's what Jesus says, don't let your stuff slow you down. I mean, when you really wrap up the words of Christ today, that's the interpretation of it. Don't let your stuff slow you down. He said, take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. Now, let me stop right here and let me ask. And I know there's going to be some nudging and glancing and all this, but here we go. Do you know of anyone who tends to overpack for a trip? Is there anybody you can think of that that tends to pack way too much stuff? Now, some of you today are, um, you're looking at, you're trying to stare straight ahead at the pastor because everybody around you is looking at you right now, right? Uh, But now let me shift this. All right, now this comes on the heels of a massive garage sale yesterday. So, So let me ask this. Do you know anyone who overpacks their house? Do you know anyone who overpacks their property or their land? Do you know anyone possibly who overpacks their life with stuff? Do you simply have too much stuff? Folks, it's ridiculous, but the American dream seems to involve this, spending money we don't have to buy things we don't need to impress people we don't even like. Right? We have too much stuff, and it's indicative by the fact that we now have storage buildings to store the stuff we can't keep up with in our own property. It's ridiculous. But here's what Jesus said about possessions. Matthew 6. Let's let's just go over and listen to this tag-in instruction from Jesus. And why do you worry about clothes, he asked. See how the lilies of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat and what shall we drink and what shall we wear? For the pagans, underline that, the pagans run after all those things, and your heavenly Father, he already knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all that other stuff, my interpretation, will be given to you as well. You see, the simple message today is that God's going to take care of you. He fed the children of Israel for 40 years with manna for heaven. If he can do that, he can take care of you and me. So here's the life changer. You ready? Here's the life changer. Unpack your suitcase. Downsize your stuff. Give your stuff away to other people who don't have enough stuff. And when you do that, God will give you more stuff. That's that's basically the message, right? So it's a simple approach to ministry. Preach repentance. Go out in the authority of Jesus Christ and make disciples. And then second, a simple attitude toward possessions. Now, that leads us finally to this third area, which I already told you is going to be the heart of what we do. A simple act to recover from failure. 
And I like this, and I know this is the heart of this passage, because Jesus knew the disciples were not going to be welcomed into every village. It wasn't all going to be sweet tea and roses for the disciples as they went out. He knew there was going to be failure. He knew there was going to be some rejection. And so he told them what? To just shake the dust off and move on. It reminds me of a story. I was so happy to come across this. It was about, it's about a wounded Vietnam veteran named Cleve McClary. McClary in the Vietnam War lost an eye and an arm fighting for our country and, and he's gone around the country speaking to audiences and he, and he always uses this little acrostic, F-I-D-O, FIDO, right? And it stands for forget it and drive on. And, and he would tell people in all of his speeches and discussions, bad things happen in life, and when they do, Fido, forget it and drive on. You meet some bad people, and when you do, Fido, forgive it and drive on. And, and it seems to me that that same mode of operation, that same M.O., right, was carried forth by the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. Let, let's think about Paul and how he blends in with this. Paul was the greatest missionary the world has ever known. But let's remind ourselves of his experiences. Paul was stoned. Paul was arrested. Paul was tortured. Paul was shipwrecked on, an, on the island of Malta. Poisonous snakes bit him on the hand. Paul had all of these things happen to him in life. It was not all easy. But what did Paul do? The answer is he just shook it off and forgot about it. And now I want to ask you, have you learned to do the same thing? Have you learned to just shake off the dust and move on? Now, I want to be very personal from this point forward in this message because I believe that there are some of us here today that you're carrying a load of dirt and dust and you need to shake it off. There's five areas of our lives I want to focus on that I think some of us have accumulated some dirt and dust, okay? These areas we need to deal with this morning and let God deal with us in these. Here's the first one. We need to, some of us need to shake off the dust of personal failure. Everybody fails at times. But God uses people who understand that failure is not fatal and it is not final. Think about the great Thomas Edison. We know this story that he once worked for months and months to find the filament that would burn more than a few seconds in his light bulb. Did you know that he tried over 700 different filaments and they all failed? And a reporter went to him one time and said, it must be so frustrating to work so hard and see so little results. And Thomas Edison said, oh, I have lots of results. I know 700 things that don't work, right? And the Bible is full of stories of personal failure. Abraham was a liar, but he shook off the dust and became the father of a great nation. Moses was a murderer, but he shook off the dust and became a great leader. David was a womanizer and an accessory to murder, but he shook off the dust and he finished strong. Peter denied Jesus three times in one night, but he shook off the dust. He became the leader of the early church. Sure you failed. We've all failed, but you can't let that slow you down. Shake off the dust and move forward. The second area. Some today need to shake off the dust of broken relationships. 
Let me tell you a story. Did you hear the story about the two twin brothers who hated each other? Have you heard this one? Their father was a wealthy businessman. Younger brother was wicked and devious. He manipulated the old father and cheated the older brother out of the family fortune. The older brother was filled with rage. He publicly announced that he would destroy this backstabbing younger brother. So the younger brother moved on and the older brother pursued him. Anybody recognize the story? (laughs) It's not a story from today. It's the story of Jacob and Esau. It's a biblical story. Esau was furious. He chased Jacob for 20 years before confronting him. But by now, the younger brother, right, had met God and God had changed him. Esau had 400 soldiers ready to slaughter him. But Jacob was a changed man. He approached his brother and he bowed down before Esau seven times. Think about it. That said it all. It said, brother, I'm so sorry I was wrong. Will you forgive me? And if you remember the story, Esau starts weeping. The rage vanishes. And he embraces his brother. They shook off the dust of a broken relationship. There are people in this room, people watching online today, that you have a broken relationship in your life. And I want to say to you, if reconciliation is possible, please seek it. You should seek it. Forgive that person and shake off that dust and move forward in the forgiveness that only God can provide for you. Shake off the dust of personal failure. Shake off the dust of broken relationship. Let me give you a third one. Shake off the dust of bitterness. How many today, even among us, are holding a grudge against someone who did you dirty in the past? The Bible says, though, be careful. We're talking about holding a grudge. Be careful that you don't miss the grace of God by allowing the root of bitterness to grow up inside of you. You see, you have to be careful Because bitterness hurts the person who carries it more than the person who caused it. It reminds me of one of Aesop's fables. It's about a man who hated his neighbor and carried bitterness around toward him. Well, the bitter man met a genie and the genie said, I'll grant you any wish you want. The only stipulation is is that when you ask for something, your neighbor is going to get twice whatever you ask for. In other words, if you ask for 100 diamonds, your neighbor's getting 200. So the bitter man, still bitter, thought for a while and was so intense in his bitterness, here was his request. He said, fine, I ask you to make me blind in one eye. Yikes. We carry bitterness like that sometimes. And if you're carrying a load of dirty, dusty bitterness towards a person in your past that you perceive injustice just still reigns supreme, I'm asking you today, I've experienced this, shake it off and move on. Shake it off. Fourth, shake off the dust of unforgiveness. Kind of in the same vein as there's someone who has wronged you and you haven't forgiven them. 
Sometimes I've heard people say this, I'll forgive you, but I won't forget it. Hmm. What those people mean when they say that is, I'm going to say that you're forgiven, but I'm still going to hold this against you as long as we both shall live. That's what they mean. That's not forgiveness. It reminds me of the old elephant. He was drinking at a water hole in Africa, and he saw this turtle, and he suddenly walked over, and he swatted the turtle across the pond. The giraffe said, why'd you do that? He said, when I was a baby elephant 47 years ago, I remember that turtle biting me on the trunk. He says, wow, you have a great memory. He said, yes, I have turtle recall. Folks, we tend to forget all kinds of stuff. But isn't it interesting that we have total recall when it comes to other people mistreating us? We don't forget an ounce of that. Forgetting is passive. But forgiving, that's active. That's an active decision. When you choose to forgive someone, you release him or her from your desire to punish them for what they did to you. Today, I believe God is saying, shake the dust off and move on. The last one. Shake off the dust of rejection. Now, let's let's ask this today. Does Jesus understand rejection? Better than you and I do. Jesus knows rejection. In the passage right before this one, we're not preaching on that one in this series, Jesus was even rejected in his own hometown. But he simply shook the dust off and he moved on with his ministry. He didn't curse them. He didn't call down fire upon them. He could have. No, he just shook it off and moved on. Now chances are we all know rejection too. Chances are you've been rejected in your past somewhere, and just as there were people who didn't receive the disciples, there are people in your past who held up their hand to you and said, I don't want you in my life. And so I just want to ask you to do what the disciples were told to do, shake off the dust and move on. So let's move to wrap this up. If you want to simplify your life, and that's how we started, you have to remember Jesus' simple approach to ministry. Go out and tell people the good news of salvation. You have to remember Christ's simple approach to possessions, pack light for the journey of life. And we have to remember, most of all, the best way to recover from failure is to shake off the dust and and move on. I want to close the sermon today with, with this story. It's about Jay Strack. Now, Jay Strack has been a strong leader in the Christian community for years, and he wrote a book called Shake Off the Dust. There's there's the cover of the book. And this book, titled Shake Off the Dust, it just tells Jay's story. He grew up in a wealthy home in South Florida, but he experienced physical and emotional abuse as a child. He started doing drugs at the age of 13. By the time he was 16, folks, he was an addict and a dealer, both. He spent time in a juvenile facility as a junkie and as a criminal, but someone told him about Jesus Christ, and he gave his heart to the Lord. And even though he was a new creation in Christ, it took him a long time to just shake off the dust of his troubled past. And I say all that because I want to read one little section 
that he wrote in this book. And here's what he said. As long as you remain a prisoner to your past, you'll never know the freedom of the future. You can't spend the rest of your life sitting in the ashes of devastation, crying over what went wrong. You don't have to carry around the dirt of your past forever. No, he said, get up, shake off the dust, and go on. Now, I think that's God's word for someone here this morning. Have you failed morally? Shake off the dust and move on. Has there been upheaval somewhere relationally? Shake off the dust 